You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Reds fans, and what's going on, Cardinals fans? It's Division Day here on the Locked On Reds podcast and Locked On Cardinals because I'm talking with Lucas Smith, the man who hosts all things Locked On Cardinals. We're here today to talk about his team and the second best third baseman in the division. Lucas, <laughs> how you doing, man? You're getting started early. You didn't hold like any punches. I like it. No, I'm good. I, uh, I'm, I, I'm, I'm loving this little. Um content boost we've got with this division day stuff so i'm excited to tell you why you're just wrong uh, i'm really looking forward to it <laughs> it's it's been a blast and it's something we were kind of talking about this off air like you know we did crossovers last year and stuff like that so we did crossovers crossovers before they were cool so you know mm-hmm. pat mm-hmm. on the back for us shout out to us we're, we're awesome yeah. at this <laughs> Uh, yeah. every other uh, podcast host listening to our division day uh, you're welcome so no, I'm kidding. That, boy, it's that. just like we were talking about on our NL Central crossover because you're welcome because the NL Central provided you all your talent, San Diego Padres. Right. You're welcome, Locked On Podcast Network. We didn't tell them to do this, but we did it before them, so we're gonna take credit. Padres, <laughs> Mets, Blue Jays, everybody, you guys are all welcome. So yeah, pick a no. team. Pick a team. <laughs> let's let so let's talk about this that we were coming into a year where. The division as a whole, we, we, we talked about this. We're not going to go crazy with this, but the division as a whole looks wide open for at least four teams. Uh, there's four teams that are going to compete very hard for this. There's probably the Cardinals and the Brewers are on top and the Cubs and the Reds are kind of within striking distance or something like that. Is that how you view it? Is, is it is something that, especially with the Jackie Bradley move, do you think that the mm-hmm. Brewers closed any sort of gap there or... I mean, I mean, most projection models have the four teams within like six games of each other. So there's like a, a mm-hmm. really good weekend that could put one or team one or two teams over the top. Do you think that's about where it's going to end up? Yeah, that, that's pretty close. I, I honestly uh, wouldn't say it's wide open. I do think Brewers and Cardinals are a little bit higher, a yeah. um, little bit more separated. But I, I get what you're saying. I do think that it, it could be close. Uh, um, like I said, I do think the Cardinals and Brewers a little bit above. With that Jackie Bradley deal, man, I know this is a Cardinals-Red crossover, but for just a moment, that makes that outfield pretty legit with, oh, with Kane and Yelich to go along with them. So, um, But no, I think the Reds could definitely make some noise. I think people are a little bit lower on the Reds than they should be. Um, I'm not saying that they're <laughs> top two team in the division, but I like the offense a lot, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get into it. But yeah, I think the NL Central is definitely one of the more weaker, but also the more one of the more open divisions. A fly ball that stays in play in Miller Park is not likely to drop in that outfield. That no, they've got mm-hmm. range, man. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I, I mean I'm with you. And actually, I kind of like where the Reds are. I was a little worried at the beginning of the off season whenever Bet Online came out with their odds and they said that the Reds had the best odds. I'm like, guys, the Reds have eight players. They still haven't found a shortstop yet. <laughs> like David yeah. Bell's going to hand out the opening day lineup card to the ump, and he's going to be like, "You're missing one." And David Bell's going to be like, our team is on the field. You know, something, some Hoosiers thing like that. So I, <laughs> I like I like where the yeah. Reds are at right now, kind of being a dark horse, because I think that's where they deserve to be. They, they kind of laid low is almost a nice way of saying what they did this offseason. 
And the Cardinals are deservingly on top when it comes to the preseason projections and prognostications because of going and getting Nolan Arenado for a half-eaten peanut peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So <laughs> I, I think that um, it, it's going to be very interesting, this rivalry, this season, because you know that all of these NL Central teams, there, there's going to be one team that the Cardinals kill and there's going to be one team that is the bane of the Cardinals. And that happens for the Reds. That happens for the Brewers, the Cubs. I think everybody's going to be the bane for the Pirates, but they're going to play spoiler <laughs> against one team. It's going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think that, especially when you get down to September, when you have the Pirates, what else do they have to play for other than, than being a spoiler? You know, just because they're they're not going to be in the division hunt. They're not going to – I don't think there's anybody thinking that. So that's all they're going to have to play for in the end. But, yeah, I think that th- this rivalry is interesting. It's probably not – you know, it's not necessarily one of the, the top ones in baseball or sports, but th- th- there always are interesting chapters of it. You know, you had the Brandon Phillips chapter. Then you had the um, – the you know I feel like Aroldis Chapman had beef with just about everybody on the, in the NL Central. That was more so Cubs, but still, there are interdivision rivals. But you know what? I, I think this is going to be a fun year for, for the NL Central. As down as it is, talent wise, it's going to be fun because you know they're all pretty close. Um, and as just talking about the Reds specifically, I like the offense a lot. I know that that shortstop is a hole, but I, I like Suarez, and we'll debate that in a bit. But <laughs> I like I think Votto still has a productive year in him. I love Castellanos. This outfield's nothing to sleep at. Is that is that the strength for you going into this year is the, is the offense? It is, and it's kind of a spot where I, I think that especially the outfield, there's four guys for three positions because they have said almost uh, consistently and robotically that Nick Senzel's not moving to the infield. He's staying in the outfield, so it's like, all right, where are you going to put everybody? Because Jesse Winker was the best hitter in this lineup last year. There's no reason to take him out for anything because he even hit lefties well last year. Nick Castellanos mm-hmm. is going to bounce back. I mean, he had a rough September, but it was September. It was a month. There's no reason to debate his right. starting status because of a fluky month inside of a fluky year inside of a fluky pandemic. Right. And last year is just so hard to evaluate. So I, I think that the offense is going to bounce back as a whole. And, and I think that they're going to score more runs. Now, is it going to be enough? That's going to be the issue because you're looking at a team that got better in the Cardinals. They've got probably the best corner infield in all of baseball, when you look at Goldie at first and you got Nolan Arenado, are, are, are you going to give Nolan Arenado a nickname or am I going to have to say Nolan Arenado all season? I mean, you could, you could just call him the best if you wanted to, just to do it real short. I mean, <laughs> I that, that'd that be what I would say. <laughs> yeah, no, he's just Nolan right now. I think it's going to be interesting in a couple of years when the Cardinals have a prospect, uh, Nolan Gorman will have the two Nolans playing on the infield. But yeah, so did you say Nolan and, and you know, You'll be seeing him try to run the bases pretty pretty frequently, so uh, I wouldn't <laughs> oh, be too worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I love what they've done. Uh, there's a couple of guys that you're looking at in the outfield like, between the prospect and Dylan Carlson and the bounce back candidate and Harrison Bader. Who do you think takes a bigger step this year? Is it going to be the bounce back or is it going to be Dylan Carlson? You know, I'm going to go with with you know between those two guys. I definitely think Bader, just because I was impressed with Carlson's second call-up last uh, last year. He came back, and you know I think he only hit about 280, but it, it raised up his batting average probably 40, 50 points. And I know batting average isn't everything, but uh, he, you know, he, he found a couple more. You know, The balls found more holes. He was always hitting the ball hard, even in his first stint. He was able to not strike out as much. So 
I'm expecting good things from Carlson, but then I think Bader has the more of an opportunity to surprise me, if that makes sense, because I think Bader's definitely got some potential. He's got a little bit of pop. He's got a, a ton of speed. It's just a matter of can he find the holes in the infield and can he can he get, can he can he hit? Can he get can he get enough hits to to not be a liability on offense? Because on defense, his goal this year, he said, is to win the Gold Glove. One other guy in the outfit that I, that I'll talk about real quick is Tyler O'Neill. I think that he he has impressed a lot in the early spring training. I get that it's early, but he he's you know got a couple of home or home run, a couple of like other doubles, and he's got the opportunity really, Jeff, to get some high production in left field, which is something they really haven't had since Matt Holiday. I mean, and that's going back quite a handful of years there. More from Jeff Carr and I in a moment, but first I want to tell you about Built Bar Madness. We've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar in the market for a while now. But Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. Now it's time to decide which Built Bar is best. That's right, Built Bar Madness. Today's bracket or today's vote is between German chocolate cake and mocha love and salted caramel and white chocolate birthday cake. White chocolate birthday cake and German chocolate cake are getting my vote. Go to builtbar.com or at built underscore bar on Twitter to vote. Remember to use also to use the promo code locked on 20 to get 20% off your next order. That is locked on 20 to get 20% off your next order at builtbar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. We've got you covered here. We're talking about Cardinals and Reds today. But what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted with the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to Jeff Carr and I's conversation. Oh, yeah. And when I think of Tyler O'Neill, he's pretty jacked dude, isn't he? He's, he probably lift a few <laughs> pounds. Yeah, I think I... I remember, if I remember right, his his dad's like a muscle, like a bodybuilder. So and that passed along to to Tyler as well, or something like that. He's is like a Canadian bodybuilder of some kind. So he he's got some muscle to him. Yeah, makes sense. Needs to be like a lift off between him and Michael Lorenz, and that would be intriguing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. When you look at the Cardinals lineup, the the two main guys that stick out to any Reds fan is Goldie and Nolan Arenado. Who's the next guy? Who's the biggest threat? Is it going to be Tyler O'Neill? You know, I don't think. Maybe, but I think that even with the steps O'Neill can make, I think Carlson has the opportunity to be a more consistent threat. Um, and, and the outfield right now, just to be honest, is is a is full of what ifs. Um, and, and as somebody who personally likes just li- hates the what if game in personal life, I hate it even more in baseball life, just with how many question marks there are. Because three, four, you're gonna have pretty, you're gonna have production. You're gonna have Goldie. You're gonna have Nolan. You're gonna you're gonna be there. Um, but every everyone else is a question. So I, I don't mean to, to to fish out of your answer, but really any any one of these guys, Paul DeYoung included, could be that protection that that they need to um, that they need to fill um, at the shortstop position. And other than Paul and and Nolan. So speaking of shortstops, what did the Reds do with the shortstop? Because they didn't get Iglesias. By the way, did you see uh, Iglesias' play today on the pop-up to left field? Oh, gosh, of course. Yeah. Oh, that was ridiculous. I, I'm not. I'm really not trying to rub it in. That no, was just no, an no. incredible play. <laughs> it's ironic because and he, he stopped, thankfully, but there was a guy all last season who – 
periodically would message me the statistics that Jose Iglesias was putting up in Baltimore and just like, see, see. And it's like, cause I was, a, I was an advocate that they needed to move on. It was time to move on. But I thought that they were moving on to greener pastures and now they've just burned the pastures because they brought in a bunch of retreads or guys that like, okay, let's, let's give a high level overview of the shortstop position. You've got Mm -hmm. Kyle farmer who a lot of people are predicting will win the job who has always been a utility player and is the last holdover in the big trade with the Dodgers from a couple of years ago that brought Puig here and brought Mm -hmm. Alex Wood and, and Matt Kemp. Matt Kemp was a red, by the way, daily reminder that Matt Kemp wore a reds uniform for like 25 minutes. And then, (laughs) um, so you got him and then you've got D strange Gordon who hasn't played shortstop regularly in eight years. And every time I see him hit a ball in spring training, I think that the average exit velocity is six. So <laughs> yeah, we might, uh, I don't know what's there. Kyle Holder, who has never played a major league game. He has never played above double a, he was a rule five pick by the Phillies that the reds traded for. So if you start him, you are starting Jose Garcia before Jose Garcia even got MLB at bats. Then you've got Jose Garcia who everyone agrees needs minor league time to fix his at bats because whenever he takes a swing, there's like a point in the middle of that swing where he looks like, I don't know if I really wanted to do this or not. And then he hits (laughs) like a little dribbler and he's out at first. Yeah. And then you've got Alex Bandino, who got zero playing time all of last year, but currently leads the Reds' shortstop candidates in all offensive categories for spring training. Mm -hmm. That's how weirdly messed up this entire situation is. I have no idea who's playing shortstop. It might be you or me, because (laughs) at this point, the guys have not really separated themselves, and we're kind of getting down to the nitty-gritty here. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like, you know, we're early in spring training, so like I mentioned, but if you still have, like, A, that many candidates, or B, not not that that many, then that would be a big cause of concern for me if I'm a Reds fan. Yeah, it's it's a huge concern. And it's something that, honestly, uh, people that talk about the team every day, we kind of roll our eyes a little bit, but it's the de facto question anytime David Bell takes the mic on the Zoom. It's like, all right, Mm -hmm. all right, uh, shortstop. Your thoughts basically is what they're down to because David Bell knows it. Every reporter knows it, that that question's coming. And so his decision has got to be forthcoming soon. And we just don't know what it's going to be. I, I, it sounds a little harsh, but I've kind of gotten to this point that the Reds shortstop position, whoever wins Reds fans lose. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's very pessimistic but you could be right who knows um <laughs> let, let's switch on the offense a little bit let, let's go to the pitching staff because for me and again this could just be not knowing it for the reds are seem to be pretty weak for my estimation because you know they lose a cy young and trevor bauer um because i feel like they were never really in it to, to get him back um and then behind him the only three names that i remember to be honest with you Mike Lorenzen, who I'm pretty sure is going to be a starter this year, Sonny Gray, and Luis Castillo. Other than that, that's a, to me, that, that's just a bunch of unknowns. It's, I mean, it's fair. They, they definitely, I mean, losing Trevor Bauer, like you said, even when they traded for him two years ago, there was that thought like, this is a year and a half deal. Like, we're going to get him for the rest of 2019. We got him for all of 2020, and we're going to have of. fun with that. Yeah, well, yeah, and... 
And uh, back in 2019, it was just like, oh, well, it's going to be a full season. And then it, it <laughs> right. didn't, didn't end up being that. But um, <laughs> with that, we're like, okay, we're, we're preparing ourselves for that. But there's one thing that I'm thinking of here. So, okay, we got Castillo, got Gray at the top of the rotation. Tyler Malley, who has taken huge steps mm. over the last couple of years, will slot in fine. You got Wade Miley, who, if he can just pitch to his career numbers – is a fine back into the rotation type guy. And then you got Michael Lorenzen along with TJ Antone, who has shown a lot of great spin potential and throws like a 98 mile an hour cutter that has just been fantastic in spring training so far. You've got some guys in the back end there. They could get creative, uh, kind of building like pitching tandems. I don't know necessarily how that would work, but I think it's kind of a fun thought. And then on the bullpen side of things, there's Amir Garrett and Lucas Sims at the back end, who Sims has taken a huge step here recently. And then you've also got Obi-Shan Kenobi Doolittle, who hopefully <laughs> is refinding that velocity that he lost last year. But the biggest thing with him, and I was reading about this in Baseball Prospectus, is that he really developed this slider for 2020. And again, it's 2020, it's a tiny sample size, hard to evaluate completely. But he mm-hmm. threw his slider a lot more and had a lot more confidence in it. There's one thing that Derek Johnson has been phenomenal with with any pitcher, and that is augmenting a good slider. So maybe he turns that into something, and Sean Doolittle becomes the back end of the bullpen type guy that the Reds are hoping that they signed. And so then you got a gaggle of dudes that all have options that I'm calling the Louisville Calvary because they're going to be on the bus between triple a louisville and cincinnati the entire season and it's there's nobody really standing out there overall though i think the pitching staff is going to be okay there's one thing that i look at trevor bauer won the cy young he had a sub two era he had amazing strikeout per nine totals and all of this good stuff his starts amounted to the reds won 55 percent of his starts i think they have enough talent where their starters can provide them with the ability to win 55% of the time that they pitch. Now, a lot of that comes down to their defense, which is probably going to be bad, and their offense that has to bounce back. And we're not like sitting here and saying that they're good right now, but they could be good. So there's a lot of factors in that, but I think the pitching actually is going to be the strongest part of this team. Oh wow! Yeah, I, when you say names like Sims and, and Garrett, that you know rings a bell, obviously. But well, that's a, that's a good take on it, and I think that if any Reds team can have decent pitching, then they're then that sets them up for a good year, no matter how you know how bad the offense is. If you can contain, if you can contain that park in fifty percent of your games that you play, you're gonna have a good shot to win. Right, and it, it's kind of funny because the mentality is a little goofy with this, but. Somebody asked Derek Johnson because for years the mantra has been get guys who give up ground balls, get ground ball pitchers, because obviously if you're a fly ball pitcher in Great American, that's a bad sign. But Derek Johnson said he's just like, we want strikeout pitchers. We want guys who just get strikeouts all the time. So it's like, okay, yes, that would be awesome, but we're not going to get 27 strikeouts a game. So (laughs) what's going to happen when we don't strike out somebody? But yes, I love his mentality and the way that he teaches these guys. Just got to see how it works. A lot of it is they've not developed their own guys. I mean, Luis Castillo was a trade. Sonny Gray was a trade. Tyler Malley, he was developed, but he was already pretty talented whenever they drafted him. Wade Miley was a free agent. And you've got some question marks at the back end there. So how do they develop moving forward? 
isn't really going to be answered this season, but it's going to start to get answered this year. More from Jeff Carr and myself in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. And as you well know, baseball's around the corner. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for the, all the news, sports, scores, and odds that you need to know. It's the only place we trust at the Locked On Podcast Network, the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. Again, the promo code Locked On to receive your 50% welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. One more thing before we get back to Jeff Carr and I's conversation. Make sure you are tuning in to Locked On Fantasy Baseball if you're a fantasy baseball addict or if you're just looking to get into fantasy baseball with the Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast. You have a new resource to help you gain advantage in your leagues. It's a daily fantasy baseball podcast hosted by veteran fantasy analyst Scott Cullen who uses data and nearly two decades of fantasy baseball experience to offer the strategies and waiver wire pickups that lead to league wins. Season-long fantasy, dynasty leagues, DFS, Locked On Fantasy Baseball covers it all. Subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts. Let's finish up the show with more of Sean and myself. But then, when I look over on the other side of the diamond, I see a dude who was very close to winning a Cy Young last year, and that is your already deemed opening day starter, Jack Flaherty. So, how is Jack going to be leading this team, and how do you feel about the Cardinals pitching staff as a whole? Because I'm going to be honest, I don't really know a lot of names on them either. <laughs> you know what? That, that's totally fair. I, I rave about this pitching staff almost in every episode, to be quite honest with you. I think that this pitching staff has an opportunity to do something really special. And I agree with you. There aren't a lot of names. Other than Jack Flaherty, Adam Wainwright, the average fan probably isn't going to know most of them, just flat out. Sure. But I think that behind them, KK Kim has struggled in in the uh, spring training, but again, you never know what that's going to be like. You have Carlos Martinez trying to rebound. He's got to um, he's got to have better starts in spring training. But I, I'm really I'm really excited because with, with Jack Flaherty specifically, you could say he had a down year last year. He had one horrid start against Milwaukee, he had to give up like eight or nine runs or something like that that ballooned the ERA to the four nine one that it ended up being. But he's not going to have any area above four this year. He's too good. Uh, he, he did struggle in his opening day outing. He pitched well in some B game that the Cardinals played <laughs> a week ago. It uh, wasn't televised or even on – wasn't even on like MLB.com. Um, it was like a, a – probably an inter-squad game of some kind. Anyways, he's going to be fine. Adam Wainwright it looking like mid-season form right now. I understand. I don't want to get too excited, but – Beyond that, you've got a lot of a lot of depth because if Martinez and Kim both continue to struggle, um, this is being recorded Monday night. I don't know if Martinez is going to pitch well on Tuesday. He might have. I don't know. But if those two both continue to struggle, and Daniel Ponce de Leon, they've got Alex Reyes, they've got John Gann, Jake Woodford, a ton of these names that you might seem like, oh, I remember that. I remember Ponce de Leon pitching a no hitter in seven innings in his debut against Cincinnati. Yeah, little little jab there. <laughs> yeah. um, but no. regardless, you, you you've got these these guys that 
that just haven't had the opportunity to get to get innings yet at the major league level. You, you've got guys that that can really can bridge the gap because at the back end of this bullpen, Jeff, I think is going to be a ton of fun. Giovanni Agos has a, electric stuff. Jordan Hicks with his 103 mile an hour fastball and his wicked slider is going to come back from Tommy John really well. Alex Reyes, throughout all the injuries he's had, will also have electric stuff. He's also somebody who dominated Cincinnati in his debut. Um, Henderson Cabrera as a lefty is going to have great stuff. The, the stuff, the talent is there for all these guys. I truly believe that. It's just a matter of can they mature enough? To, can they take the next step? Can Mike Maddox lead, lead them and can Yair Molina lead them well enough to take that next step to, okay, you've got the stuff, now learn to use it. Um, and I think that that's something that a guy like Carlos Martinez has taken a while to learn. Um, but a, a guy like Alex Reyes really has taken steps forward since they hired Mike Maddox. So I think that that's, you know, there could be no correlation there. There could be a lot of correlation there, right? But I think that this pitching staff, as, as much attention as Arenado and Goldschmidt and Carlson are, are going to get in the offensive side of things, this this pitching staff has the opportunity to really do something special. I really believe that. Oh, yeah. I remember Ponce de Leon because I, <laughs> I think I streamed about every Reds hitter I could that day because I was thinking, who the hell is this guy? And then, right. well, we found out really quickly. And, and then KK Kim, that dude pitched amazingly against the Reds last year too. In fact, he pitched amazingly against most guys. So right. I, I, I think that, I mean, yeah, that's right. I kind of forgot about them. So yeah, it's, it's a pretty good staff. And, and yeah. Hicks, forgot about Hicks coming off Tommy John. That guy can throw really, really hard. Yeah, so. yeah. Like they're not going to make, they haven't made, they're not going to make any preseason top 10 lists of, the bullpen or the starting rotation and that's fine like you know aka that's fine i was like i get it but also like that's fine we'll show you you know both both those mentalities are there but i definitely think that both starting pitching depth and really even closer depth because gallegos can close hicks can close reyes can close if we need him to cabrera has closed in his minor league past so you've got depth all around on the mound you really do and i'm just really really pumped to what the what the Cardinals can do on the mound this year, because I think it's going to be really special. See, and that's what you want in a bullpen. You want multiple closers. I, I The Reds had this mentality, and, and right. it was mostly forced from Rysel Iglesias, is that he believed his entire role was based on pitching in the ninth inning with a lead for a save situation. It, it, wasn't, mm-hmm. a, it wasn't a deal where, well, there's a jam in the eighth, we need you to get us out of that. He wasn't pitching in those situations. I I think if you've got a bullpen that is full of bullpen ace arms, then you are far ahead a bullpen that has a just legit star closer that's getting paid a gajillion billion dollars and then a bunch of middle relief type guys. I, I think that the way to build a bullpen is a lot more like what the Cardinals have with multiple options. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that the Reds have that with some guys, but they they've got to show it. They got to bounce back. They got to continue what they're doing. So I, I, I think it's going to be very interesting. I mean, the Cardinals are built very well. And as a Reds fan, I am very well aware that the Cardinals are never out of it. And it's very annoying. <laughs> so yes, I, I don't, yeah. I, I don't doubt that the Cardinals are going to be on top when it comes to the end of the season. I just hope that the Reds can kind of slide in there somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. So, so before we, we wrap up, we, we can't end this without talking about Suarez and Arenado. <laughs> yeah. Because for those of you who didn't listen to our NL Central roundtable crossover, Jeff's um, bold prediction, I think it was, was that Suarez was going to be the best third baseman in the division. And my bold prediction was that Arenado was going to win the MVP. 
highly unlikely that both of ours come true. It's just <laughs> with the logistics there, not going to come true. So to wrap up, Jeff, give your pitch for Suarez and then also give your prediction for the 19 games between the Reds and Cardinals. So here's the thing. In 2020, like we said, this weird year that it's going to be hard to evaluate guys on, Suarez hit 202 and kind of got forgotten about. He was kind of in the same category as Christian Yelich. Then he comes into camp. He's in the best shape of his life. Looks like he could play shortstop. Will the Reds be that progressive? Who knows? That's a different topic. <laughs> but Suarez is looking amazing physically, also mentally. Last year, he was told that he cannot spend time with his family during the season in order to maintain the bubble, which is totally understandable. That's what every professional baseball player had to do. But Suarez also had a kid that year. So it was kind mm. of a tender time to be away from his family. So mentally it's weighing on him. He's at the ballpark. He's striking out. He's going back to his hotel room or wherever it was that he was staying, and he was alone. So his mental health wasn't all that great, and that was on top of the fact that last spring he had an incident where he was jumping into a pool and messed up his shoulder, and he kind of had to have like minor surgery to fix that. So physically and mentally he just wasn't there last year. Now he is. Now he's ready to go. He's even He didn't even come into camp with white hair. It's like a thing that he's been doing the last couple of years, kind of like that Francisco Lindor deal where you mm -hmm. come in with like silver white hair. He, he didn't mess with that this year. He didn't even mess with blonde. He's ready to go. He's ready to hit, and his swing has looked absolutely fantastic so far this spring, which is really the only thing you, that you can evaluate, you, the physicalness of a player rather than the numbers or anything like that. So I'm looking at Suarez as coming in ready physically. He's going to take over. He's going to be the best third baseman in this division. Okay, that's a bold prediction. So plausibly, I'm not sure that it's going to happen. That's my disclaimer on a bold prediction that it's probably going to be a little bit of an outlier, something that may not happen. But I am all here for it if it does. <laughs> I like it. That, uh, that was a good defense. I like it. What, 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 what's your prediction for the win total before I give you mine? And I, I'll defend Arenado. Win total? Um, I was pretty bold with that. There, I, I'm, I'm sorry. The, the, the season series between Cincinnati and, and St. Louis. Oh, My yeah, fault. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. the uh, 19 games. My fault. So season series. So in 19 games, I'm going to say I don't think that this is going to be a series that either team goes crazy with. It's not going to be one where – the Reds are the bane for the Cardinals or the Cardinals are the bane for the Reds. I think the Cardinals win the season series 10 to nine. Hmm. All right. Yeah, I can see that. I definitely think that it's going to be probably closer than I want because the Reds seem to always play the Cardinals closely. You know, I, I, that's fair, but I'm going to say that the Cardinals, I'm going to, I'm going to be different. I'm going to say the Cardinals win 11 to eight. I think they, they think they get an extra game in there. Um, fair enough. But to wrap up, we're going to end with with the best, and we're going to end with Nolan Arenado. So <laughs> Nolan Arenado is, is a guy that that has has always been plagued with the Colorado effect, the Coors effect. Oh, you can't trust his numbers. And if you look at the splits, you'll you'll say I'll I'll agree with you that that's correct based on that premise. However, something Colorado Rockies host Ryan Lanica always points out is that what because he's no longer at playing in Colorado, he doesn't have to jump back and forth. His body doesn't have to adjust to the high altitude, then back to regular. So the physical toll of a 162-game season, or whatever it ends up being this year, who knows, uh, is not going to be the same as it was in Colorado. We've seen guys like DJ LeMahieu flourish outside of Colorado. Granted, I understand in that example, you can also say the Yankees stadium helps them. But that point aside, we can see guys get hit outside of course. Nolan 
has fallen in love with the Cardinals. He has said that he does not plan on opting out after this year. Because mind you, again, the Cardinals are, are getting him for free based right. on the deal that they worked out. Because even if, even if, even if Arenado does opt out, that, that money goes to Arenado. Like the, 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 the Cardinals got a steal, but that's, a, again, a different discussion. He, he has hit well this spring, line drives, hit the ball hard. He looks great. The defense is, the defense is going to be there. The, the, the eight straight gold gloves, the platinum gloves that he's won, they're going to be there. I just think that he is, is going to fall in love with St. Louis as a city. I'm not saying he's going to hit 40 home runs, but he might. I think that he's going to be a high average, a high run total producing guy. He's going to have high totals. I think the home runs might take a dip. I think everything else goes up. I think that he's going to have an outstanding year. I think Arenado is going to be productive at a high level for most of, if not all, of 162. So I think he, my bold prediction is MVP, but my actual, like, what's going to happen is that he will be the best third baseman in the NL Central. And that all said, I like Suarez a lot. I really do. He terrifies whenever the Cardinals play him. But I still think Arenado's got the edge. He's it's definitely what's most plausible. I'm I'm not going to lie there. I mean, Arenado has been one of the top 5 at least top 10 but probably arguably top 5 players in the entire game while with Colorado. And, and it's funny because you bring up a point and it was something that there were Reds fans that were discussing this because Trevor Story's name was getting thrown around as a trade target this <laughs> offseason. And you always had the whole, well, he's not good outside of cores thing. It's like, guys, DJ LeMahieu, Todd Helton, Larry Walker, let's go through all of the amazing Rockies that left Colorado and were amazing. It's not a thing that all of a sudden they leave Colorado and it's like Superman leaving the the sunlight of the sun. <laughs> it's, not a, yeah. it's not a thing. Like, yeah. no one's going to be fine. And, and like you said, the, the home runs might come down, but he's always been a really solid line drive hitter with the barrels and the exit velocity. I, I think he's definitely going to be a problem for the Reds all year long. That's I am definitely not saying that uh, Nolan Arenado is not going to be a problem. <laughs> That's not that's yeah. too bold. Too bold. Yeah. <laughs> well, regardless, it'll be a fun third base battle, not just between you and I, but if Chris Bryant is still a Cub, you and you and I can shine. That's have some good conversations. But before we wrap up, why don't Jeff, you tell my listeners where they can find you if they'd like, and I'll tell yours where they can find me. Well, if you guys are looking for a hate listen, you've got the Lockdown Reds podcast. <laughs> Anywhere you find your podcast, you can also hate, tweet, or hate, tweet, follow, or whatever it is on Twitter that people do, at Jeff Carr with three Fs and at Lockdown Reds. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're five days a week going to talk to, uh, Brandon Bailey or actually we talked to, I'm forgetting what, what day this is. All right. This is Wednesday. <clears throat> we talked to Brandon Bailey about dealing with Tommy John a second time in his career. So go check that out as well. That's kind of more of an overarching baseball topic and not necessarily a red centric, uh, thing. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, Lucas Smith, you can follow the show on Twitter, LO underscore Cardinals. You can follow me on Twitter at LJ Fastball. Five days a week. It's been a lot of fun. Post-game pods. Uh, I'm just enjoying talking about actual baseball again. I don't know about you, Jeff, but instead of, oh, this is going to happen, or oh, this might happen, or oh, this is a fun little idea. No. This happened. I could talk about it. People were bad. People were good. I got to watch baseball. Win-win. Yes, yes. And and you get to talk about, especially with spring training stuff, it's like people were bad, but this is why you need to pump the brakes as to why they should be benched. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got to find a little even kilter there. But, Jeff, this is always fun. This was fun today, and I'm sure we'll have more fun crossovers throughout the year. 
Hell yeah, Lucas. Thanks for doing it, and uh, we'll talk again soon.